And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, July 14th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 256. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that will take you to the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Happy Friday, everybody. We've got a huge show today. I'm Rowan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's already in. Hello. Lots of breaking news. Christopher Ray got posterized, as usual, except for the House Judiciary Committee yesterday. We'll check in on that. Joe Biden sniffing kids in Sweden. He's coming back off a disastrous trip to Lithuania and the NATO summit. We'll do a little news potpourri on the back end. We've got a great slate of guests today. New York Representative George Santos is going to be joining us. Former Ambassador Rick Grinnell will be here as well. And we'll sit down again two Fridays in a row with Brian Live. Before we get into any of our interviews, let's jump right into them headlines. Change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, happy Friday, everybody. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long time listener, welcome back to America's fastest growing political podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Whole crew's here today. Noah, what's going on? Oh, you know, doing the thing. That we are. Antoinette, what about you? Ooh, trying to stay cool in Vegas right now. It's so hot. Hot here too. Twenty. Had uh, experienced a little triple digits this week, but we'll make it. Yeah, I don't know how people deal with that. I mean, you get all sweaty in the vagina. <laughs> it's not even a dry heat out here in San Diego, even though we're sub desert. It's uh like humidity's in the sixties to the eighties. It's gross. Yeah, it's nasty. So we have zero humidity, which is, I mean, better than any. I guess with this kind of heat, yeah, I, don't, the, I don't mind the desert heat. This is my least favorite time of year because yep. then, like, if I have to go somewhere during the day, because I'm not an asshole, I don't just open up all my windows and let my dog cook <laughs> to death. I just I turn on the air yeah. conditioning for him. No, for sure. Like any good parent would do. <laughs> Got to widen that carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Listen, the heat was turned up on Capitol Hill this week. Embattled FBI Director Christopher Ray was in the hot seat. Yeah, he, he was. He went before some of our favorite U.S. America First House representatives. Uh, Listen, leading in here, I think the best of the entire hearing was Matt Gates, and I also think that you're hearing on a lot of conservative. I listened to probably from our show when it ended on Tuesday until today, probably about 30, 40 podcasts, all different kinds of varieties, mostly conservative, but some of the progressive ones. You got to get the other side of the aisle, what they're really thinking, what the plans are, what the narrative is. It's pretty funny. They're all kind of coming to the realization on both sides of the establishment that Donald Trump's the guy and good luck catching him. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that a little bit later, though. Here's the thing. And do you think maybe in the back of their minds they're like, I don't want to admit this, (laughs) but we're better off. (laughs) Not yet. They're not there yet, but they are really starting to go home and look in the mirror and be like, the guy's got 70,000 people showing up at his rallies. He's got Mm -hmm. African-American grandmas coming up to him in the middle of Philadelphia and saying that they knew the election was stolen from him and they can't wait to vote for him again. Mm. He goes to UFC where there's like, you know, 25, 30,000 people packed into an arena, giving him like a 10 minute standing ovation, longer standing ovation for him than any of the fighters mm-hmm. throughout the course of the event. 
at some point you got to start really telling it like it is and uh you know make it into a Make it into something interesting. Make these candidates start working because right now everybody's waiting to see if Donald Trump can get knocked out of the race legally and they're doing nothing for themselves. You're seeing a lot of that if you checked in on uh, the Tucker Carlson, Glenn Beck, Blaze TV town hall-a-thon going on in Iowa right now. I caught the first two before the show. Tim Scott and Asa Hutchison, pure garbage. Mm. Tucker Carlson also confirmed that he took zero COVID vaccines as an employee of Fox News, which makes me believe that he swung his ball so bigly when he was at that network. <laughs> they said everybody, including Boomer Sweats, had to get it. You got to get it, too. And he probably told them, like, I get over 4 million viewers a night, and I'm the only thing keeping the lights on at this network. As Fox News is finding out right now, uh, fire me if you want me to get it. So They did. Yeah, well, eventually, but it wasn't for the vaccine. He lasted about a year and a half after that. It's when he started to target Big Pharma because of it, and even though they sponsor all the shows on Fox News, that uh, you know he, he met his demise, which is good because Tucker Carlson has probably leaked that he's getting ready to start his own media corporation and going to use what he's doing now on Twitter as an essential component of that. So that's pretty cool. He's a very important and powerful voice in this movement. Pretty much a straight shooter. He's gotten it right a lot more over the years and uh, turned into somebody I think we're going to need to help get President Trump over the finish line next year. But getting back up to these hearings, uh, you know, Christopher Ray was before the Judiciary Committee. Matt Gates hammered him. The point I was trying to make is a lot of people in the rest of the conservative, I don't know, orbit. Wheelhouse? They were playing clips of, oh, let's hear Chip Roy and Tom Massey. Let's hear Tom Massey and Chip Roy. Let's hear Chip Roy and Tom Massey. I'm just like, okay, listen. Just because they're the only two House reps that have endorsed Ron DeSantis, you don't have to, like, fall back on them as the bastions of America first because we know, and for the most case, they're not. Uh, Chip Roy's a big grandstander, Chip Soy, and Tom Massey is a Elon Musk fanboy who is more worried about, you know, owning a Gen 1 Tesla than he is about fixing anything that's wrong with this country, to be honest with you. And uh, that's just kind of how I feel about it. And, you know, you're going to get a couple of the reels right now on Steak of Breakfast. This is a little bit of a long clip, but I think the exchange back and forth and, and some of the ways Matt Gates verbally undressed Christopher Ray is really important to hear. Let's check it out. American people need to understand what just happened. My, col my Democrat colleague just asked the director of the FBI whether or not they are buying information about our fellow Americans. And the answer is, well, we'll just have to get back to you on that. It sounds really complicated. But I have other questions. I'm sitting here with my father. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director? Sounds like a petulant. Uh, I'm not going to get into commenting on that. You, you, you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Ooh. Absolutely not. The FBI well, does not the has no oh, interest in You won't answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. But let's go from the uncurious to the downright nosy. Mm. How many illegal FISA queries have occurred under your leadership of the FBI? Mm. Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? 
Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that, that assessment by the inspector general? Uh, I'm not... I'm not sure, actually, that's a, com a correct characterization of the Inspector General's uh, oh, well, findings we're, on well, that. Well, the Internet will remind you of I, that in moments. But, but let, let's now go to uh, <laughs> what the, the court said. Real -time the court fact said it was check. over 200,000 yep. that have occurred on your watch. W would, do you have any basis to disagree with that assessment? Again, I don't have the numbers I sit here right now. What I can Seems like you a number you should know. How many times the FBI is breaking the law under your watch? Oof. Especially if it's like over a million to not know that number. And I'm worried about your veracity on the subject as well. Play, this, play the video. Letters for investigation the of the Capitol. I don't believe FISA is remotely implicated in our investigation. Are you, you so, so there, Senator mm. Lee's asking you whether or not FISA was in any way involved in your January 6th investigation, and you say no. It, was that truthful? I said that I did not believe it was. Okay, so now let's pull up what the court said, which was something a little different than what you said. Was so, that, was so that him here, breathing deeply? Yeah. Nope, that's not the right one. He garrison because his... Uh, yeah, here we go. Right there, it says, the, the government has yeah. reported additional significant violations of the querying standard, including several relating to the January 6, 2021 breach of the Capitol. So I guess the question, Director Ray, is did, did you not know when you were answering these questions that the FBI was engaging in these illegal searches, or did you perjure yourself to Senator Lee? I certainly didn't perjure myself. At the time that I testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, How about right now? Uh, I didn't have that piece of information. I will add... Well, that was a court order. You didn't have that piece of information because the court hadn't yet rendered a judgment. Did you not know when you gave the untruthful answer before Senator Lee that this was going on? It was a, it was a truthful answer. I did not believe FISA had been involved in the January 6th. But it was. So you didn't... The answer is the FBI has broken so bad that people can go and engage in queries that when you come before the Congress to answer questions, you're like blissfully ignorant. You're blissfully ignorant as to the unlawful queries. You're blissfully ignorant as to the Biden shakedown regime. And it just seems like it gets into a kind of a creepy place as well. Go to our, our next image on what the court said. Like, just so the American people realize, the, the court has smacked you down, alleging or ruling FBI personnel apparently conducted queries for improper personal reasons. People were looking themselves up. Oh, they were perfect. looking their mm. ex-lovers up. Oh, good. Who has been held accountable or fired as a consequence of the FBI using the FISA process as their, like, creepy personal snoop machine? Vagina. There have been instances in which individuals uh, have had disciplinary action uh, and they're no longer with it. I, I can't get into it here, but we can follow back up. But with don't you, you see? Don't you see that that's kind of the thing, Director A, that you preside over the FBI that has the lowest level of trust in the FBI's history. People trusted the FBI more when J. Edgar Hoover was running the place than when you are. And the reason is because you don't give straight answers. You give answers that, that later a court deems aren't true. And then at the end of the day, you won't criticize an obvious shakedown when it's directly in front of us. And it appears as though you're whitewashing the conduct of corrupt people. Respectfully, Congressman, mm. in your home state of Florida, the number of people applying to come work for us and devote their lives working for us is over up over 100%. We're deeply proud of them, and they deserve better than you. Wow. Got him. Yeah, so what you're gonna you're gonna take all this shit wow. about impropriety, misconduct, people using government mm -hmm. uh systems to query their sexual partners and loved <laughs> ones and whatever else. 
probably using that kind of stuff for, you know, insider trading and stuff like that as well. Yeah. And you're going to go with, well, a lot of people are applying to work here. So that's that, you know, so fuck well, he you. Well, that number, but doesn't know anything else, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't talk about, elaborate. When him um, and Andy Biggs went back and forth about the stuff that happened on January 6th, I don't know if these Congress people aren't educated or aren't show prepped enough for these things where they can't use the correct term. You would have to think, you, you sit as a U.S. House rep, but then you, you go and you question the director of the FBI, and, and you know you have to be very specific in your wording and where it's going if you want him to answer the questions. Yeah, and, if you give him an out whatsoever, yeah, well, exactly. I, don't, I don't know if that would be the, you know, the proper way to ask that question or blah, blah, blah. Andy Biggs would be like, so how many undercover agents were working, uh, working the crowd on January 6th? And Christopher Ray would be like, undercover agents? And he's like, yeah, how many undercover? He's like, well, I don't think we had any undercover agents and he's like okay well what about confidential sources or whatever you like to call them and he's like are you talking about chs's really can't get into that there's confidential human source just fucking answer the question asshole and then he used like it's so fucking irritating the back and forth was very frustrating to listen to but uh and that's all the thing they're running the clock out all all they need to do is just be fucking Mm -hmm. as conciliatory as possible for the entire interview process or whatever you want to call it. Yep. What is it, interviewing? Uh, hearing. Hearing, yeah. yeah. Mm. I hate these people. So I know. It's so frustrating. Tough. It needs to be routed. He's Started one the, from the ground up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, so many people used to say, like, and you'd have all these big talk show hosts, Boomer Sweats, Botox Queen, like, all of them. It oh, can't be fixed anymore. It's at the top. The people on the ground, they're the good ones. They're out there fighting the good fight. No, well, they fucking aren't anymore. Well, to well, some extent, yes. They played video of a guy who said how demoralized he felt because one of the schools that his kid went to was targeted by the FBI for the PTA shit. Yeah. And he's like, well, how did it make you feel when you went from being like a dad who participated in these meetings to someone sitting in your car writing down license plates? He's like, I'll be honest with you. I used to go back to the office the next day and the other agents that I work with would be like, hey, they're going to start taking your license plate down next. And it's like, it's become that big of a fucking joke. Yeah. Where, where human and sex and child trafficking is no longer important and parents who don't want their kids' dicks cut off mm-hmm. without their permission is now like the pinnacle of, of everything going on. Good news is I saw Ray Epps is, is throwing like a civil lawsuit at Fox News and Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. because now he's being criminally charged for January 6th. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's because Finally. they're going to hang him out to dry too. He lost mm-hmm. his home as well, which I'm fantastically enthusiastic. He lost his home? Yeah, really happy about that. He, he said, did he lose uh, his golf cart too? Well, that's the fir- I made a comment about the golf cart when I saw somebody share the article and then someone screenshotted like a portion of the article where it said he lost his home and now lives in an RV in Utah. Oh, and, wow. And made that as a reply to me. So God, I, was I, like, hope, I hope it's down by the river. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we got to go into the river. <laughs> All right. Wait, so he's, he's getting actually... Charged, yeah. Okay, so wait, so Ray Epps is getting charged now, mm-hmm. right? What about yeah. that fucking uh, that black kid? Yeah, or what's like, his name? Uh, yeah, his name Jordan Taylor. X or Jalen X. Jalen X. Like yeah. he was literally in disguise, posing mm-hmm. as a Trump supporter, right. inciting and violence, and apparently he's a fucking Ukraine war correspondent mm-hmm. now. Yeah, is he really? Yeah, he's in fucking Ukraine or or green screening from fucking his mother's basement. Well, hopefully, he'll step on a uh, landmine. And he got paid by the media for yeah. his footage. Yeah, I believe ABC was the one that sent him in there uh, for like 75K 
to be oh like one of the breachers. So moving along, we had Wisconsin rep Tom Tiffany and wanting to know and get some receipts from the FBI director on what's currently going on with Joe Biden and his uh, global pandering scheme. And is he currently under investigation? Let's hear it. Biden take uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president or private citizen Biden. Uh, as you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration that our Baltimore field office is working with. And I would refer you to, to him as to what, if anything, can be shared. So the president is under, um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm he simply going to he's not under investigation. I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm oh. not going to be confirming or denying oh, who is or isn't under oh, investigation. Oh, oh, oh. Can't like, make it it's up. like the word of the day on Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yeah. Can't make it up. Mm. Well, we all know Joe Biden's under investigation. When they feel like they've reached a point that where they're done with him, if that's mm. going to be the case, I tell you what, some of the cable news network, CNN, has been making the case for Gavin Newsom to be the nominee for quite a few weeks now. Yeah. I cannot handle listening to that slithering snake fucking talk. If I have to see him... On TV, any more than I already have to, I'm going to lose my shit. Hmm. I fucking hate that person. Just imagine him and Trump duking it out. Oh, my God. He's just so greasy and just filthy. He's the American psycho. I hate him. He's disgusting. We got a a button for that. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) I hate you. No, they've they've been kind of making the case. And listen, I watched two nearly ten minute clips today. One on MSNBC, and actually we got two buttons for that one. Asshole. One on Fox <laughs> News as well, uh, talking about how coming to terms with Donald Trump and and getting away from Joe Biden. It's just a little bit more clear every day. And I think you know when you just look at the totality of everything and how awful Joe Biden has been coming back from his trip in Lithuania. He fell up the stairs again to, to the cargo hold on the 14 step, they, step. They gave him a handicap ramp basically. And he fell up yeah. that too. Yeah. Lord of mercy. Yep. When are they just going to Hannibal Lecter him and just put him on like a fucking dolly <laughs> soon, <laughs> soon. Dan Bishop's up next talking about if the FBI encourages, well, itself to go and just ignore SCOTUS decisions. Let's sure. hear him. But I'm wondering, Why would you walk that fine a line with respect to Americans' fundamental constitutional rights at scale, especially with knowledge of past abuses by the FBI like COINTELPRO? You said earlier that the FBI wasn't even concerned about disinformation per se, but the foreign origins of the information. Assuming so, how does that comport with Lamont versus Postmaster General? Well, I'm not going to try to engage on uh, Supreme Court jurisprudence, but what I can tell you is that the... Well, well I mean, that's, that's the point, though, Director no, Ray. And, I'm, and, I'm, and let me just ask you, do you know about that case? Do you know that case? I've heard of the case. Right, right in the heart of the Cold War, at, at the behest of an American plaintiff, a communist, by the way, <clears throat> Supreme Court said that Americans have a First Amendment right of access to information, even if it is propaganda originating abroad. And in that case, the United States Postal Service could not interdict it. Do you know that, in essence? 
I'm, again, I'm not familiar with the, the holding of the case. I'd have to review it to be sure that that's that, a correct that, that seems to me the trouble. I keep wondering yeah. as I read all these revelations how that could be. That, or, or then let me go to this. You know uh, that the FBI engaged with the social media companies continuously warning them of hack and leak, op leak operations in 2020. Yep. Not 2018, by the way, but before the 2020 election. Lots of warnings about hack and leak. You're aware of that? I'm aware that we gave them lots of information about intelligence that we were receiving from some of at, our intelligence. At the time you were giving Twitter. them those warnings, the FBI had had the Hunter Biden laptop for more than nine months. Yep. <clears throat> and, uh, but of course, COINTELPRO itself was the mother of all hack and leak, leak operations. Active, leftist activists at the time broke into the FBI's headquarter, uh, office in Media, Pennsylvania, stole the files, gave them to the media, and newspapers published them. And you're, you're bound to be aware of New York Times Company versus the United States, the Pentagon Papers case. Yes. That says that it, even if information had been stolen or, or inappropriately taken, that you can't get a prior restraint, restraint in almost any circumstance to prevent their being distributed. So how, how is it that your foreign influence task force is out warning of hack and leak operations to innocent, not involved in the hack, that would be criminal, but news or social media organizations where information may be circulated? Well, first off, we're not engaging in any prior restraint. Second, second. Wow. Second, well, laughing well, right well, at him after the I Twitter finish, files please. have come out. Second, there's no serious dispute that foreign adversaries have and continue to attempt to interfere in our elections and that they use social media to do it. We didn't need to have Russia or China or North Korea or Iran hack into our social media applications and try to interfere with U.S. elections. You assholes at the FBI were fucking doing it. All the jerk-offs down at the Department of Homeland Security were doing it. The same people at the DNI and the Department of Justice and every other three-letter agency that had a pen pal over at fucking Twitter or Facebook for the last three and a half years. No, even further back than that, essentially since when Donald Trump took office, we're all doing that. We already have those receipts. So just to see him sit up there and fucking lie all day. Listen, nothing comes from this hearing. Uh, as far as consequence-wise for Christopher Ray, he's still the complete inept douchebag director of the FBI, and he'll do so until he steps down or the administration's flip or Joe mm -hmm. Biden decides to fire him, which I don't see coming unless Christopher Ray wants to charge him with something, which seems to be the case with Joe Biden, a la the whistleblower who got arrested for fair violations last week because he blew the whistle on the Joe Biden crime family. So... Across social media yesterday and then in the cable news circuit, you've, you, of course you were going to have everybody who's not America First chirping negatively about this, how it's just a whole big grandstanding, and for the most part it is. But of course, fat-ass Chris Christie, who paid Christopher Ray to get him out of Bridgegate, I don't know if you guys knew that, that was Chris Christie's lawyer during Bridgegate and was the reason he was recommended for the FBI director, who consequently Ron DeSantis enthusiastically endorsed on Twitter as well. Wow. You know, Wanted to make his commentary and saying people like Matt Gates weren't doing anything except hurting the way the FBI looks to the American people. Fucking good. That's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Matt Gates was going to jump on cable news and hit back at Chris Christie. Let's hear him. I want to respond to something that Chris Christie said on Fox News earlier today. He said that Christopher Wray had delivered extraordinary results. The problem is they're just extraordinarily awful. <laughs> And like Chris Christie criticized us for engaging in fundraising theater during this committee. 
And I'm not going to take my notes on fundraising from a guy who was a lobbyist and was snout down in the lobbyist financial money laundering situation when he was raising money from them as governor of New Jersey. So I'm more likely to take, like, Chris Christie's exercise plan than I am his fundraising strategy. He left, he left office, Matt, with a, a 14% approval rating, and I think he'd be, uh, he's a clown, and he's better off sitting on that beach in the beach chair out of a beach that he had closed down to the rest of the people in New Jersey. Thanks, Boomer Sweats. Mm. So that's kind of where we were at. Like I said, nothing's going to happen to Christopher Ray, but as the narrative continues to fall apart for the Biden regime, their criminal empire, and how they've weaponized law enforcement facets of the U.S. government. All we're going to continue to do is track it, see who's making the right comments, see who's not making any comments at all, and keep you guys updated on the absolute latest. We're getting ready to jump in with New York Congressman George Santos right now. We're going to talk about this, see if we get some commentary on him. We're also going to talk about the big votes that happened with the NDAA over the last 24 hours. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. All right, joining us first on this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's a congressman representing New York's 3rd Congressional District. Always a pleasure to sit down with Mr. George Santos. Congressman, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me as always, Rowan. It's always good to be with you guys. Well, it's a pleasure hosting you. Busy week up on the Hill. You guys debated long into the evening hours, et cetera, last night, working on stuff going on with the NDAA. Do you want to give our listenership a little bit uh, on the latest? We're getting ready to talk about that on the show today. We thought having you on would be a, a great place to start. Well, look, it was fantastic. Let's let's put it this way. It was my first uh, experience being on the floor uh, until close to midnight, uh, aside from the speaker's vote. Uh, so absolutely crazy times. And uh, we saw some of some historic landmark opportunities uh, finally pass, like Ronnie Jackson's uh, uh, amendment number five from Texas, which limits the reimbursement of abortion uh, uh, as an for, for TRICARE, which I think is absolutely correct. I mean, we need to make sure that we're, we're this is about military. This is a defense bill. This isn't the join the military and, and get your abortion or join the military and go get your gender reassignment surgery. So all these all these historic conservative changes have just focused this NDAA on a stronger military and defense package for our country, hence making us a stronger and better protected nation. I'm sad that we weren't able to take all of the Ukraine money out of there, but we took most of all the Ukraine giveaways from the, the, uh, from the NDAA of 2024. So this is great. This is fantastic for us. I mean, uh, I couldn't be happier, right? It, it couldn't get any better. And you can, and you know that when you see guys like Matt Gates voting for yay, yay, yay on rules and every single thing, I mean, and then final passage, you know it's a good bill. Certainly is, and uh, we're really proud of all the America Firsters who went out and, and stumped hard all week, got their points across all week in committee and subcommittee, and when you guys broke off for, you know, you guys gaggles and stuff and then came back, you guys put it together on the House floor pretty much 
very methodically and got it done, which I think, uh, you know, it puts the Senate Republicans in a good space, too, because so many people are on the same page with this. Listen, I, I agree with you that when you join the military, it's for national defense. It's for protecting our freedoms. It's for uh, an outstanding career where you can go get your college education taken care of and all these other benefits that come out, you know, lifelong health care and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is it should not be a social experiment. We're not saying that you can't be gay. We're not saying that you can't be lesbian or trans or want to do any of that stuff in your life. That's completely up to you. I mean, the individuality that people bring to all the branches of our military is what makes it so great. But the fact of the matter is there are a lot of people who are learning how to game the system, as is with any big kind of corporation like, you know, the Department of Defense and stuff is. And I think you guys pumping the brakes and really putting your foot down uh, on, on limiting a lot of those things, especially the reimbursements for abortion travel and stuff like that. I think it's really critical in such a tense social environment that this country's in right now. Ron, I'll put it I'll put it this way to you. The military is a place where you go to excel, grow, and defend your country and fight for your flag. All the old other social experiments need to be toned down. It's not a place, there's a time and place. I am not anti trans. I am not I am not gonna say I'm anti abortion because I'm not. I think, you know, there's exceptions to that rule and, you know, rape incest and all of that other stuff that we, we can go on down the rabbit hole. But the reality is, and period, point blank, there is a place you do these social experiments, and the military is not where you do it. It's not the Department of Defense. It's, it's just not where you go for it. The DOD's sole obligation is to protect the sovereignty and integrity of the United States of America through its military, through the military and, that, and armed forces, and that's what it should be focused on. I'm very happy to have seen all this diversity, equity, and inclusion, and all these quotas be lifted, because here's the reality. Uh, the diversity, the natural occurring diversity of the military, as you said, is what makes it stronger, yep. right? It's having bilinguals, trilinguals serving our country, being able to do special ops and all of that great stuff. But we can't make, we can't have earmarks for, oh, we need to have a specific amount of this color or that race or, or that gender. That doesn't make us stronger. That makes us vulnerable. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the importance of this DOD, uh, of this uh, NDAA, pardon me, is that it, it remedies a lot of the deficiencies and issues that we've been facing with our, uh, with our Department of Defense in, in the last couple of years due to this woke ideology taking over the defense uh, industry. I love the Department of Defense a lot more than I like the Department of Pronouns, but that's just me. I'm, an, I'm a true America firster, and, and I like it when we, when we shoot it straight with, with bullets and munitions and, and not how dare you and things of that nature. So I'm glad we're on the same page there, Congressman. And then you talk about limiting the Ukraine spending. It's gotten out of control. I'm pretty sure you, as someone who uh, probably kept a keen eye on Joe Biden's disastrous visit to the NATO summit this weekend where he did everything from promising Ukraine uh, NATO uh, – membership all the way to falling asleep during you know television interviews and and then authorizing 3,000 more troops to be mobilized to the region not looking so good as far as our stance right now uh you know and, and kind of continuing to poke this bear uh you know on the other side of the conflict what do you think uh seeing everything kind of unfold in real time this week Look, uh, every time we see Joe Biden on the national stage, it's just an embarrassment. It's a national embarrassment to the fact that we, we have a, a president that's that sleep at the wheel. I want him to be successful. I want him to succeed. But he just can't help himself and has proven time and time again that he's incapable of doing such. Um, the, the, the summit, the NATO summit, was just a, a great example of that, right? Making promises he can't make. Why are we provoking further war? Why are we provoking further conflict and antagonizing Russia and, and spurring up China to say, oh, Russia, don't worry. 
They'll put him in NATO. We'll give you more money, more ammunition, and prolong the, the, the carnage that is taking place in Eastern Europe right now over the last, what, 18 months and going. We need to stop. We need to stop. And Joe Biden doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. the. First, he wouldn't understand peace if it hit him in the face. <laughs> right? That's the difference between him and, and Donald Trump. He would not understand peace if it hit him in the face. We need to be moving towards peace talks. We need a plan from our commander in chief on ending the conflict in Ukraine and Russia, not continuously flaming the fires of fury as he's done in all these world stages in recent months. This has come to an end. And, and my thoughts are, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs for us in the United States when our president is more worried about protecting the sovereignty of a third, of a, a third party and another country than protecting the sovereignty of the United States of America. Yesterday, I watched a Tom Holman um, documentary here in the Capitol complex. Uh, he, he had a screening with Congressman. Um, oh, his name escapes me now. I can't believe it. This is just going to come at a cost. But my colleague from Texas and uh, Tom Holman had a, uh, a screening of his documentary. And it, if you see what, what goes on in the southern border, sure. I just came back from there. I was there two weeks ago. It, it's real. His documentary shows it better than what I was able to show because of the restrictions. Uh, and oh, Congressman Troy Nails, right? He 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 hosted Tom yesterday, and that's what Joe Biden should be focusing on: focusing on fixing our southern border, focusing on stopping the human and humanitarian crisis that is taking place in the southern border of the United States. Not what the hell's going on on the eastern border of Ukraine and Russia. You make a great point there. Congressman Nels is also a great friend of our show. He uh, will be in with us next week. We love having him on. So is Director Holman. He jumps in every month. He'll be joining us the first week of August as well. So it seems like we're in a good crowd here, and, and we're definitely talking about the most important things, like the uh, importance of securing our southern border and not so much worrying about you know border disputes in other countries. Congressman, I want to segue a little bit. Uh, you know, We're getting ready to hit this election season pretty hard we've we've got a lot of big events this weekend you're seeing like you know the tucker carlson glenn beck town Hallathon out in iowa you've got uh turning point usa's event in florida where you know most of america first is going to be at you mentioned congressman gates he's of course going to be speaking there this weekend president trump is the keynote speaker we all know you've uh endorsed president trump and you're definitely on the trump train so here's the thing there are a lot of voters in the last election cycle who you know kind of identified with America first. They wanted to be helping and involved. I think they're going to be a critical component of this upcoming election, especially with a lot of states getting rid of the mail-in ballots and stuff like that. I want you to touch on what you think the importance level is of all these young voters who might not have had an opportunity to vote for President Trump yet, or, or even just vote, period, to be getting involved now early in this stage of the race as we head towards uh, you know, getting into August when, when things are really going to start heating up. Look, when it comes when it comes to, to, to ground game and to be smart, I always say one thing. There's one man out there that does a fantastic job, is underappreciated, underrecognized, and, and quite frankly, underutilized, and that's Scott Pressler. Yeah. He he lays out the groundwork and the framework like no one else. And every young voter should be paying attention and going to his seminars. So they can understand the importance of groundwork, organization, proactiveness. This is how we this is how we engage voters, and this is how we educate them, especially the younger ones. And the Democrats are very good at that, and we are horrible. But we have guys like Scott Pressler who are absolutely underutilized. Only, and I I couldn't tell you why. So my advice is is simple: 
pick your horse, pick your camp. I've, I have mine. You have yours. We all have our camp. And just go and do everything you can from door knocking to writing a letter, a dear, dear neighbor letter. Uh, there's so many different things. To uh, The one thing I will say, this election will not be decided on Twitter. And anybody who thinks it will, you're wasting your time. <laughs> I Period. Can- no, I, I completely agree with you. We've had a lot of pollsters in here. Richard Barris comes in here. Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen Poland comes in here on a monthly basis. And they said, listen, rally sizes and optics on television do not necessarily equal votes into the ballot box. You have to actually do the work in the places where the work needs to be done. We know it's like, you know, five or six states, about 80 counties, less than 70,000 people are going to determine who is the next president of the United States? It's been the same uh, equation for the last several cycles. A lot of the experts, including Devin Nunes, who was on the show with us recently, agrees with us. And, and that's kind of this, you know, the stress points that we put out. Those people in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Nevada and Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan, they're so important to you know be developing a ground game. I do like the fact that Scott Pressler got hooked up with uh, Charlie Kirk, and he's going to be working with Turning Point USA and actually getting some funding to do some of the great work he does. Don't you think so, Congressman? I think it's fantastic. Look, any opportunity that I see Scott Pressler get, I'm happy because he's a fantastic patriot. He's a fantastic organizer and one of the most dedicated and selfless people I've ever met. Listen, I got a chance to, uh, on a lighter note, watch your show with Alex Stein the other day, and I thought it was uh, some brilliant podcasting, to say the least, to see you guys have a good time for a little while. And uh, listen, I think I made his show a little too serious, though. I think people have this expectation that I'm going to come and I'm going to be very funny. And then I'm like, I, I, I know how to be spontaneously funny, but then I, I don't know. I, I, I make it serious. And then and maybe my humor is a little, um, how can I say, too serious for Alex. But I had a great time with him. He was great. Uh, although he is a much better looking drag queen, I must say. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. He definitely is, and, he, and he's gotten – listen, that guy at a city council meeting, I'll take him just about over anybody. Um, there you go. Congressman, this has been awesome sitting down with you today. We always enjoy when you spend a little time with us here on the show. We're going to live link your congressional website in the show today. If anyone that's not following you on social media would like to do so, what can we live link as well? Uh, always always go to Rep George Santos, uh, at Rep George Santos on all social medias, and uh, – always feel free to interact. Look, one thing we do, we take a lot of constituent issues that come sometimes through inboxes and we get them resolved. So if that's the best way for you to communicate with us and you don't like the conventional methods, please feel free to reach out and we'll do whatever we can to help. Hey, check him out on social media. This guy means what he says. He's had a lot of his constituents visiting his congressional offices lately and I think it's absolutely awesome. Almost as equal as much when he comes down and spends a little time with us. This is the congressman representing New York 3. Representative George Santos, you have a great weekend. Thank you, Ron. You too. Bye, guys. So today, uh, the uh, the long-term commitments we're making are are backed up by the notion that in the meantime, we're going to provide security to Ukraine uh, for its needs and against any aggression that may occur. Today, the members of the G7 are launching a joint declaration of support for Ukraine to make it clear that our support will last long into the future. This starts a process by which each of our nations and any other nation who wishes to participate will negotiate long-term bilateral security commitments with and to Ukraine. We're going to help Ukraine build a strong, capable defense across land, air, and sea, and from which we'll force uh, the will be a force of stability in the region and deter against any and all threats. Close, I want to thank my fellow right G7 
leaders and President Zelensky for their work to make this happen. Oh, that's I think it's a powerful statement. Zelensky sniffing powerful in the background. statement of our yeah. commitment to Ukraine as it defends its freedom today and as it rebuilds the future. For, and we're going to be there as long as that takes. And again, I thank all my colleagues for their support for this. I love I love that I make the joke that that's Hunter Biden in the background making snorting noises, but it's <laughs> Cokehead number two, fucking Zelensky, Cookie Monster. Unbelievable. It, and seriously, like, I get it. It's all a big fucking theatrical bullshit yeah. propaganda machine, but, like, the guy can wear a fucking suit. I know. Like, it's I, so there's weird. no fucking way that he doesn't have fucking... A- He's not, like... I come from war-torn country with Adidas. <laughs> I have Adidas duffel bag with extra pair of socks. Like, fuck you. Oh, like, you can get your shit laughing. dry cleaned, you asshole. I was thinking of the same thing, and I'm like, what? Like, why? Because, is he always- because it's a fucking it's a show. show. That's yes. all it is. He's in character, basically. My, my he, quote tweet was... It's a fucking Flonase. Something. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, it is allergy season. Use, pro, use promo code hot. Coke for big, big savings. <laughs> big, big snortings. My, my screen quote was for the picture where he just looked like the odd man out in his Under Armour tracksuit was... No, it wasn't even Under Armour tracksuit. He's wearing, like, like need, fatigues, but, yeah. like, not tucked in. I was, I was told the event would be sponsored by Under Armour. Yeah. I like the one where it's, like, when you... Uh, when you show up outside 7-Eleven with snacks after you told the homeless guy that you didn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is an absolute joke. This is probably... such. Cl- it's like it, you, just when you think it can't get more clown yeah. world, it gets even more clown world. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry. We'll have somebody in to uh, regulate the flow and talk about Joe Biden's trip to the NATO summit. Uh, former UN ambassador... Rick Grinnell is coming in at the end of the segment here. Um, Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, mm. complete fucking moron. Darth oh. Pfizer, eight masks. Is he still wearing masks? No, but he did. I mean, oh. you're never going to get that. When he went to the Philippines that one time with the visor and the mask and the gloves, just absolutely oh, ridiculous. I, I saw somebody out in the wild yesterday <laughs> in a store with the mask on still, and I'm just looking at him, and I'm like. It's so bad. I'm so confused right now. I know. That you are taking yourself seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are we going to trust the science? Because, I mean, last I checked, it's been settled that it's a less than 10%, right? Less than 10% Mm -hmm. efficacy for a piece of shit cloth mask. (laughs) That literally literally said up until, until, like, you know, a few months into the quote-unquote pandemic, the boxes used to say it doesn't protect against COVID, and then that magically went away. Mm-hmm. On the next Chinese shipping container full of fucking masks that we probably paid three hundred dollars each for. I think that ten percent is for the, the big guy. <laughs> yeah, ten percent was for uh, no. Th- those were for the non-knockoff masks that you aren't repeatedly touching and putting above and under your nose. Oh yeah, and then the and then the actual knockoff masks that you'd see video of them making them on like the floor in like mm-hmm. a dirty lot yeah. in China. <laughs> oh my god, I remember that. People are it's like, so oh, t- they're just using the floor of the oh, Nike they- factory. They're charging rent twice. They were doing the PCR tests like that too. Yep. Oh, that actually, you know, it was the PCR test that I was thinking of. Yeah, I think it might have been India and China. I saw a few videos. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow, thank God I never put that shit up my nose." Yep, agreed. Well, Oof. I did a couple times. Speaking of coke, I had to. 
I don't know if you guys have heard. Oh, Coke? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it. I'm going to save it. We'll, we'll get to that later. Let's hear Secretary Austin talking about, uh, well, absolutely nothing because he never answers a question. From a military standpoint, Mr. Secretary, how close is Ukraine to meeting NATO standards? Well, there are a number of things that, uh, that uh, will, will have to be done, as you know. Um, they, uh, a, a big part of their inventory is, uh, is legacy equipment. Uh, and, uh, and so in, in terms of training shit? and equipping, there, there's work to be done. But we're doing that work as we're helping them uh, as they fight this war. Uh, and so uh, things have been done to, up to this point. There's more that will need to be done uh, to ensure that they have a full complement of capability. So you have no doubt that after the war, Ukraine will become a member of NATO? I, I have no doubt that that will happen. What? And uh, we heard uh, just about every uh, heard all the countries in the room uh, say as much. And I think that was reassuring to, uh, to President Zelensky. Uh, but there are other things that have to happen as well, you know, uh, judicial reform, uh, um, uh, you know, don't say equity. Uh, things that, uh, that, uh, make sure that the democracy is in good shape. And so uh, those things will take place over time. So. How much time do you think it will take after the war? Let's assume the war ends, God willing it will end someday. How much time will it take for NATO to join, for, for NATO to welcome Ukraine as a full member? I, I won't speculate on that, Wolf. I will just say that all the countries that, uh, that I've witnessed are, uh, are interested in moving as quickly as possible. So you think all 31 members of NATO right now want Ukraine in? I think uh, it'll be 32 by that time, but uh, I, yeah, it, right. But I do believe that uh, that everyone uh, wants uh, wants Ukraine to be on board. As I said, Sweden is now set to join NATO. Uh, how is from your analysis, and, and you've got good analysts, uh, how is Putin reacting to this expansion of NATO? Well, I, I'm sure Putin's very concerned. Uh, this is probably something that uh, he didn't expect to happen, although President Biden warned him I would this, know he doesn't answer the uh, phone. at the very beginning. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, he's brought NATO closer to his doorstep. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you were him, you, you'd certainly be concerned about what, what you're seeing. Uh, but countries like Sweden and Finland bring a lot to the alliance, and we're, we're happy to have them on board. You know, I was just in Sweden a couple of weeks ago. I uh, got a chance to spend time with the Minister of Defense and, uh, and visit some of their troops, look at their capabilities. Uh, it, they will bring value to the, uh, to the alliance right away. And it's a strong democracy, uh, Wolf, and that's, that's really a, uh, the most important point. Well, like I said, a whole bunch of non-answers. No, you, I mean, look, you look confused. Mistaken? Did he? Did they not deny them into NATO? They did. They, they denied really? their application uh, as Finland and Sweden are coming in to make thirty-two countries. Huh? Yeah, that's what. That's where all the Zelensky memes came from because he was the odd man out. He he thought he was going to, uh, you know, now that he got his cluster munitions and his <laughs> Patriot missile batteries and F-16s and probably U.S. troops on the ground. Um, yeah, he thought he was just going to walk right into open arms and. It's a pretty exclusive club, but they're not in it yet. So, he sounded kind of nervous too in this uh, one clip I saw a few days ago, like you know, talking about all the money that we've given him, and you know about how it saved lives. <laughs> his his time is uh, ending very soon. Mm -hmm. I, I I just I just don't understand how people the the whole issue with Russia's aggression is because they don't want NATO to be 
completely encircling them. Yes. Or as encircled as Russia can be. And they broke peace treaties and, and their promises. Yeah. So, I mean, really, Sweden and Finland are directly bordering Russia. Well, not so much Sweden, but Ukraine is one of the biggest land masses besides like Kazakhstan, Mongolia, and all that other stuff mm-hmm. that touches Russia. Right. Besides Finland. I mean, the stuff that we didn't allow when Russia was trying to put missiles in Cuba, it's kind of the same shit, right? Correct. So not to be a a Russian asset. No, too late, you're Putin sympathizer. Yeah, now I'm a Putin sympathizer, but... <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, like, how we're going to poke the man riding the bear. This is going to happen. Ukraine's going to continue to waste everything that we give them, and Russia's going to eventually get whatever they want. That's how the peace deal is going to get brokered. It's going to be Crimea. It's going to be Donbass. It's going to be even more eastern portions of Ukraine than they have now. They're probably going to wind up getting about 35% of the entire country. And then Mm. Ukraine's going to be a good little boy and do exactly as they're told, and they'll probably get admitted to NATO. And by that time, maybe Vladimir Putin will be, you know, ready to... uh, Nuke him? Nah, I was going to say retire, but either or, it's the same thing. I just... Don't people realize that World War III is not a good thing? Right. Like, like you're you're not going to be able to keep your war machine going when there's no machine anymore. There's there's always a few, especially when it's a Democrat president, of just Mm -hmm. the absolute elitists who their aura of... I'm so elite, this doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. Well, it's like when you look at it on the same levels of, like, let's say, for instance, all these fucking douchebags in California, these rich people in California that live in their gated communities. Okay, so all the homeless and the illegal immigrants and the extra crime that's happening, not all from illegal immigrants, but all the bullshit that's happening, now give them nukes. Mm Mm-hmm. You're, it doesn't matter how tall your fence is and how many rent-a-cops you have watching the gate. Like, if they burn down your city and mm-hmm. blow up your city, you're you're done. Yeah. Exactly. The fact of the matter is is that this administration is filled with more elitists than I've seen mm. just about ever. That's uh, true. It's, it's a combination of people who are ill-equipped to do their jobs and just people who... And the audacity for these people, like Buttigieg's, like... <laughs> fucking riding his bicycle after he gets dropped off on the limo. Who else did that? Somebody recently. Uh, Somebody from... I saw it. It was a gal wearing a green shirt. Yeah, it was some Spain or something like that. They were going to the climate summit. They went to the climate summit. She (laughs) flew a fucking private jet. G6 in. Like, (laughs) last hundred yards at a 10 speed. (laughs) And then all the vehicles that she got out of fucking followed her. Unbelievable. 40 car motorcade. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the audacity to to think that they literally just think that we're stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, nobody saw that. Like, it, all these people are working on the same rationale that the internet isn't really a thing. Well, that's a good point you make. And it, it goes back to the, our first segment where we talked about Christopher Ray getting grilled by the House Judiciary Committee. He likes to pretend that all the, the stuff that happened on January 6th, like nobody videotaped it. Yeah. 
Like, like somebody murdered Ashley Babbitt for doing nothing, for they, putting her leg through a window. Like Ray Epps went around for 48 hours straight telling people to go into right. the Capitol and then encourage the first guy to break the, the little bike racks that they had up and go into the – like they just – oh, no, like confidential human sources. Like I don't know what an undercover cop is. Uh, do, do you mean CHSs? <laughs> Are you talking about data? Yeah, I don't have that data. But it, it's like – the deep state, the administrative state, the older elites in this movement against America First, they they're, have, just, they're just going through and using the same formula. Mm-hmm. They haven't caught up with the digital age yet. No. They, they, they act like people can't see it. And, you it's know, so they can't see it because they don't use the <laughs> true story. They're fucking out of touch or they just don't give a shit. Well, they don't have to give a shit because there is such a wide cross section of people yeah. that. They're only getting their information from "quote unquote" approved sources. They're not getting their information the same place we do. Like, like when I talk to some normie, like random person, like at work or whatever, and they spout off about something that is one hundred percent false, but yeah. they literally believe it. Like, no, no, I saw this on CNN last night. No, it's it's true, it's, it's and they won't keep. Like re- or- yeah, they'll keep repeating the same bullshit. And that's the thing. Right. America First is filled up with people. Like, just look at the guest lineup on this show today. You're talking about, like, one of the largest advocates in America First for the nation of Israel and yeah, non, uh, well, just destroying anti-Semitism in this country, which is rearing its ugly head again, all the way up to the congressional level, which, is, in my opinion, is absolutely disgusting. But you've also got two office holders, one current and one former, who are guests on this show today who are gay. But is there any reason to point out the fact that uh, anything to do with their sexuality, the the radical left has padded themselves? Maybe their fashion sense. True story, but they both rock it, to be honest with you. Rick Grinnell, even he knows we're we're not video, and he's always dressed sharp. And then, you know, George Santos is always wearing someone who participates in Fashion Week in NYC. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. The radical progressive left have padded themselves with such... Diversity, equity, and inclusion, catering to the trans movement and all that stuff, that is all planned methodology to make it to that you never get to the cores, to the Bidens, to the Pelosi's, to the Schumer's, to the Jeffries. You don't need, you'll never get close to them because... All the peasants are fighting each other. Even in Congress the other day, Eli Crane, who's probably one of the hardest working, top five hardest working congressmen, period, in Congress... While he was giving, uh, you know, part of his speech in committee, while they were talking about the NDAA and removing a lot of this DEI shit out of it, not funding it anymore, he said colored people instead of people of color. And it was like British fucking parliament. Oh, my God. And then it was like Sheila Jackson Lee and the next fucking retard and the next fucking retard. I cannot believe he made that racist comment. Could we please strike it from the record? And it's like, obviously, it was a Freudian slip. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's what they do. You see what I'm saying? You'll never get to Hakeem Jeffries. Yeah, because you have three fucking, five fucking, ten fucking retards that'll go up there and say, like, he made a racist comment. He obviously did not make a racist comment. No. He just misspoke, and and that's what they'll they'll try to 86-year career over it. Like, that, that, is that really that big of a deal? Right. They need to watch some more Jesse Lee Peterson in my opinion. I mean, don't people don't people of color say worse things than that to themselves in a a regular daily? It's so bad. How dare you! (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Joe Dushbauer this morning was on one. He was talking about recapping Joe Biden's NATO summit. 
uh, which happened in the country of Lithuania, and how sharp the 46th president still remains to this very day. Wait, Think I'm shitting you? Really? Let's hear it. <laughs> home because oh, this no, president is good at what he does and these I've always events, told people mm-hmm. no i just always told people that he's the president's off. very sharp uh he, he if if uh, you you say something or write something there have been times he's called uh and uh he's refuted it uh, very sharply he's uh, I, i've talked to foreign leaders oh, that have pizza. had conversations with him that said that he was on top of every issue and uh, to the degree that they were actually some 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 nato leaders have told me they were very surprised the contrast between the image in mm-hmm. public and the joe biden behind closed doors uh, because he is so sharp and he's on top of everything. So much of it has to do with presentation. I will say also for any Trumpers that are saying, oh, my God, they're talking about how we may need to take a rest every once in a while. Please, you're talking about Donald Trump, who did nothing but sit in his office and watch cable news all day. The executive time, would we like to get the well, I'm sure we could go to Mar-a-Lago. He probably has them shoved in in drawers, uh, his his, all of his stuff. But, But Gene, let me just say, if we were talking about style over substance, that would be one thing we're talking about matching reality with perception and yeah. bill clinton had a had a had a great saying which was if a turtle shows up on top of a fence post it didn't get there by accident nato did not expand yeah, to exactly. historic uh, uh, uh lengths uh, and have ex- power by accident it was joe biden yeah. along with his equal partners uh, that masterminded this but NATO allies will tell you they look to America for leadership. He did this. History will record this, whether idiots on the Trump right uh, 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 online want to admit it or not. History is going to report this. That this is this is pretty remarkable. You 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 look at the economy exploding. Uh, just just like Obama exploding rightfully got right credit uh, along with Bush at the end of the term for helping save the economy. Joe Biden's going to be credited for moving us beyond one of the great economic crises of our time, which was of course uh, COVID. Post COVID, it looks like we may have Long COVID? A, 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 a pretty safe landing here for an economy. Mm-hmm. And I just say, this isn't happening by accident. And if if people want to focus on him falling on a sandbag or falling off of a bike, that's fine. But but while they're talking about that, Joe Biden's making, you know, Europe safe for democracy. What? Stop it. Scissor me timbers. You. How can he even take it? Like, how can he even say this? He was putting on clown makeup in that video, right? It was part of a nine-person panel, and nobody knew what to say when he went on that rant. They kept showing, like, the full screen of all the boxes. And people looking at each other like the fucking Brady Bunch. He kept asking the one guy, (laughs) right, right, right at the end, and he's just like, "Mm, mm, Mm, yeah. mm -hmm." It sounded like he had gas. (laughs) (laughs) Diabetes. This is what What people digest. Uh, Yeah, Antoinette, on a regular basis, this is what people feed their brains with. Wow! Wow! It's like, are you putting on the clown makeup at the at the oh. self checkout after you bag your own four hundred dollars worth of groceries? Yeah, <laughs> but but the people that are that are watching Sound of Freedom are the ones with brain worms. Mm. I know, right? Absolutely ridiculous, diabolical. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Guys, I hope you're listening to the show today. They Where, are wherever you're listening to it, whether it be on <laughs> Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Leave a five star rating. 
give a review. Also across social media, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast podcast, follow the account, hit the notification bell. All right, let's move on. Best backup bullpen pitcher in the White House press pool, John Kirby. Oh, Noah loves him. Hate that guy, too. He's ended the White House presser. For consecutive weeks now by... Have a good weekend. Yeah, listening to a three-minute question and then closing his binder and leaving (laughs) without answer. He wants to talk about proper force posture in regards to the activation of 3,000 more troops heading to make, as Joe Scarborough put it, Joe Doucheborough, Europe safe again. Mm -hmm. You know what would make Europe safe again? Not fighting. Yeah. Stop Maybe warring. less war. Yeah. It certainly would. Less legal immigration. Well, yeah. You know, I wasn't going to go there, but yes. <laughs> less migrant invasion. <laughs> yeah. That too. Let's hear from the Admiral. Back to the European continent and this, uh, uh, this announcement by the Pentagon. I think it's important to keep this in context. We've already increased uh, by 20,000 the number of troops that we have on the European continent. And oh, by and large, we've been able to keep that rotational presence there. So you got more than 80,000 troops there in Europe, uh, and that's a lot. And what we're going to do with these small number of 3,000 reservists or National Guardsmen, these are people that are specialists in things like administrative functions, logistics, supply, maybe medical, dental, those kinds of, the, the kind of enabling functions that you need to be able to support and sustain a large troop presence for a long time. And what this is basically is a, a, a realization of the fact that we know, the president knows, that the security environment in Europe is changed, not has changed, not will change, it, it's changed now. And we've got to make sure that we've got the proper force posture to be able to support an additional eastern flank presence for, for the long haul. No, you're our uh, <laughs> White House correspondent. Am I? I don't think they'd let me in. <laughs> you sit with Simon and Tiba in the back? I have some binders. I could close them and walk away. A lot of word salad. but It's they, always word salad. There's some important numbers in there. The bolstering of the already 20,000 troops that were sent to the region last year now with an additional 3,000. We're not talking about all the people... Take into consideration, there are parts of our armed forces where they literally tell people, hey, you're going to put on street clothes and go over there and advise. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't count as an active duty soldier. And well, they, no, those those wouldn't be people that were still in. Those would be government contractors. Right, but I mean... They're still the same thing, though, basically. U.S. boots yeah. on the ground, period. Yeah. And uh, some of the videos coming out, I mean, I, I saw some guys from the U.K. get blown up a little bit the other day. They were kind of shell-shocked. They, mm-hmm. they, they were talking to them while they were on the ground uh, trying to put the intestines back in and stuff. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah, you know, in Ukraine. So, okay. I mean, there's, there's soldiers from all over the world that are literally on the front lines. Plus, you have all the volunteers. I mean, I saw a truckload. Believe it or not, it was like Mexican, Venezuelan, and Colombian people in Ukraine. What? Really? Yeah, on, on the back of a flatbed. They and got it, on the wrong flight. <laughs> they were trying to come here. <laughs> I think they, they just, dropped them off at uh, the wrong spot. I'll be honest with you. I they think they bought the wrong package tour. I think it's like oh, cartel boot camp, mm-hmm. and they're under oh. they're under the assumption that they can keep all the free gear. Oh my! God. Well, I mean, yeah, it only, yeah, I mean, however much you can carry <laughs> when you hop on a boat that goes somewhere. Again, we're gonna get absolutely serious with Ambassador Rick Rennell in just a minute. Mm. President Trump weighed in yesterday. I think I've got both the written. Well, let's talk about Joe Biden's first. Mm. Yeah. So here is the statement from Joe Biden yesterday. By the authority vested in me as the president, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, 
including sections not important, I hereby determine that it is necessary to augment the active armed forces of the United States for the effective conduct of, and again, this is something that started back in 2014 under the Obama administration, Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the United States and European Command's area of responsibility. In furtherance, I, mean, I could definitely tell he wrote this one off top, of this operation and under the stated authority, I hereby authorize the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Homeland Security hmm. with respect to the Coast Guard when it's not operating as in service of the Navy under their respective jurisdictions to order active duty any units, any individuals and members not assigned in the individual ready reserve mobilization category designated essential under the regulations prescribed by the Secretary as concern not to exceed 3,000 total members at any one time of whom which more than 450 may be members of the individual ready reserve as they deem necessary and to terminate the service of those units and members when ordered to active duty. This order is not intended to and does not create any right or benefit, substantial, procedural, enforceable, or law, or inequity at any party against the United States, its departments, agencies, entities, and its officers, employees, agents, and any other person. Signed, Joseph R. Basements. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Everything's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. I mean, like I said before, there's a lot of people that are saying that. Well, this has been a thing that that's been going on since 2014. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. Donald Trump quickly issued a counter statement. Let me read it. Joe Biden's decision to mobilize reserve forces proves that his reckless escalation of the Ukraine war mm-hmm. is straining the U.S. military to the point of utter disaster. Yep. Just, just last week, Biden shockingly admitted that our arsenals are so badly depleted that the United States is running out of ammunition. Now we see the ranks growing so thin that the reserve troops are being forced to support Biden's calamitous policies in Europe while our own borders remain undefended. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden can't even walk up the stairs of Air Force <laughs> One without tripping. The last thing this incompetent administration should be doing is pushing us further toward World War III. Yet Joe Biden has proclaimed that he will continue sending American treasure and weaponry to fuel endless war in Ukraine for quoting now as long as it takes when i am reelected as it takes it will take 24 hours this conflict must end not one american mother or father want to send their children to die in eastern europe we must have peace as president i can and will again rebuild america's military and restore the readiness and deterrence that joe biden has so dangerously squandered and i will return to a foreign policy that puts america first so that we can once again have peace through strength It's going to get so bad that they're going to have to take all the ammo for those new IRS agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. In our last clip, before we jump in with the ambassador, of course, Donald Trump took a quick pot shot from Bedminster at Joe Biden. It's a quick hitter. Let's hear it. I refuse to bend the knee to their next endless war in Ukraine. I want peace. They want money and they want conflict. Even if it means walking us into the brink of World War III, which, frankly, it is doing, and it's doing it rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vladimir Putin's only going to take so much. At some point, unless the end game is already being brokered behind the scenes that he's going to get whatever he wants in return for NATO, which is a, a bigger backyard on his western flank, then, I, I mean, at this point, I don't even know. What could they possibly offer him that he would want more than not having NATO there? I don't get it. You got to remember the, the Wagner group is now 90 kilometers away from Kiev. So, and they're sitting pretty and things are ugly. Yeah. 
We're going to continue to talk about it and talk on it a little bit more with Ambassador Grinnell in just a minute. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the former ambassador to the UN. He also served in the Trump administration as the acting director of the DNI. Always great to sit down with Ambassador Rick Grinnell. Ambassador, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here. It's been a while. We're glad to have you back. We know you've been busy. How's everything going on your end, sir? It's, uh, you know, life is busy trying to keep up with this disastrous Biden administration. It's a target-rich environment, I'd say. Well, I heard it was the best jobs market, and now the economy's made a complete rebound. Am I getting my information from somewhere that's not good or what? That's Bidenomics, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, it's high gas prices and uh of the laughing stock of the world that's biden economics watching these i don't even want to call them commentators or professionals but these uh -oh. people in the news who go out every night for the last like two weeks and say we i, I don't know why people aren't talking about it this economy has completely rebounded inflation <laughs> is at the lowest it's been in years and i'm just like looking at them like what are you talking about i just went to the grocery store and spent 400 dollars for a family of four for a week again as it's been just about every week since Joe Biden took over. But that's neither here nor there. But speaking of the president, Mr. Ambassador, he did just get back from a well, kind of a disastrous trip to Lithuania after, you know, bothering the guards who can't talk at the palace in the UK. But we need to talk about a lot of the stuff that went down at the NATO summit. Obviously, uh, Vladimir Zelensky was the odd man out. The memes were all over the Internet. That's funny. But the seriousness level of it right now, it seems like no one wants to get to the debate table. No one wants to negotiate any kind of a peace deal or broker anything. And, you know, the fact of the matter is everyone wants to go around and say, but Ukraine's still coming to the U.N. It's not going to happen right this second. We, we still have to fight a little bit more and pour some money into it. But you, you probably tracked this thing from start to finish and saw all the stuff that was going on and know all the players in the game. Ambassador, what can you tell us about what you saw? Look, I have this, you know, fundamental belief, and maybe it's a crazy belief, but I think that the president of the United States needs to have a strong defense secretary and a strong State Department uh, secretary of state. And the reason why is, is because... The president needs to be able to utilize different tools. Sometimes you need war and a military presence, and other times you need tough dip diplomats. And right now, Joe Biden doesn't have a State Department. He doesn't have any tough diplomats. They've shoved the State Department off to the side, and everything is about war. It's more money, more war, um, you know, more war talk. And it's scary to me to think about, you know, the, the fact that Joe Biden just admitted that we're uh, depleting certain artillery. Uh, we're getting to the point where we're not going to be able to have enough uh, means and tools for our own defense because we're, we're spending so much in Ukraine and delivering so much. And yet at the same time now, what did he just do yesterday? He called up 
reserves and do act, active duty. It's a small number right now, 3,000. But the reality is, is that if we're depleting some artillery and now we're recognizing that we have a workforce, a, a military men and women who, who need to have backup because, I don't know, they're tired, they're exhausted or something's gone wrong. So we need to call up the reserves. Uh, I, I think that this shows the American people that there's a whole system in Washington that just wants war and they support war. And make no mistake, I, I firmly believe and I think people recognize that if Donald Trump were president, we wouldn't be in a war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have reservists being called up and we wouldn't be depleting certain artillery. I mean, you make the case for it right there. You talk about the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken. The guy is 90 pounds soaking wet, acts like it, and just gives off the biggest beta persona that you've ever seen. He doesn't project strength. He doesn't talk from a position of strength, which historically the Secretary of State of the United States, even when Democrats are in control, at least could go around and, and swing it on an international level and, and you know, at some point realize, okay, these rogue nations or evil dictators want to stand up and flex throughout the world. But at the end of the day, you go to the, you know, closed doors meetings, you have the behind the scenes, something to say like, guys, listen, we're the United States, like seriously stop messing around. But it's, that's not the case anymore. Our, our, our military has been really depleted by Joe Biden. I think at a morale level and then at, you know, uh, operational level and all the way down to munitions, like you pointed out ambassador. And then, and then when you want to talk about the department of defense, Lloyd Austin just comes off as a complete idiot. Like, mm. he'll get asked straight-up questions by, like, some of the most biggest beach balls lobbed to him straight down the middle, and he just swings and misses every single time, acts like he doesn't know what he's talking about, and just, like, all these people seem like they landed into positions that they, like, fantasized about, but they are completely inept at holding as far as, uh, you know, offices go. Look, I, I think that we've got a real serious problem in our country that uh, Democrats constantly make fun of tough diplomats. They've got a view that somehow diplomacy is weak and for the weak. And you look no further than Anthony Blinken pushing culinary diplomacy. One of the, the biggest things that he's done is to talk about the, uh, the restaurant industry and food as part of culinary diplomacy. And he even went so far as to say every good agreement starts with food. Now, <laughs> I, I'm troubled by that because I spent 11 years at the State Department and that's not what we do. We don't sit around and go to restaurants and talk about culinary diplomacy. Just last week, the State Department put out this really big video uh, talking about the importance of the art and embassies program. This is a program where elites lend their art to embassies that the public can't get in. I can't think of something that's more elite <laughs> than artists who are able to um, sell art or historical art given to very rich people who then get to keep it at the embassy so that they don't have to pay the insurance on it. And it's only available to people who get to get into the embassies. It, it is literally a creation of elitism. Now, everybody likes art. I certainly like art. Um, I have some cool pieces that I've collected over the years that mean something to me. 
But the idea that we're using taxpayer dollars to do culinary diplomacy in the art and embassies program, while at the same time, we're literally not having diplomats on the front line in crisis areas. We were the first to evacuate our embassies and our diplomats when there's a crisis. This is uh, really sad and the Democrats need to change their ways. They need to stop making fun of tough diplomats and they need to get serious about diplomacy as a way to avoid war. That's it right there. I mean, everybody knows President Trump was a really tough diplomat. Ambassador, I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but we had so many people who worked in the Trump administration that come through the show on a regular basis. We know that you were one of the biggest pit bulls at the State Department, at the U.N. Like at the end of the day, you got to lay it down because our country is at stake right here. Our, Our sovereignty, whether it comes to the border or the stuff that's going on geopolitically, how all this stuff affects our economy back home and abroad, just our total stance has taken a complete step back, if not more, since Joe Biden took office and all of the, you know, DEI hires that he's got in there running all these major departments of people who never even worked in a lot of these areas, heading up places like Health and Human Services and the Department of Transportation and stuff. It, it really just all adds to the equation of, of where we're at right now. And I think it goes to talking about the importance of just how critical it is to get involved and get some skin in this game in the 2024 race. I mean, obviously, Tucker Carlson has been destroying everybody that's hanging out in the single digits of the presidential primary today at that Blaze event. We've got the Turning Point USA event over the weekend where President Trump is going to be the keynote speaker, of course. And then Ron DeSantis is going to be up with the billionaire donors in the, in the Hamptons. But the fact of the matter here is President Trump is running away with this thing. We all know that his foreign policy wasn't perfect but worked better than almost any president in the modern era if not ever, uh, when it came down to not starting any wars and really letting these, you know, geopolitical foes across the globe know, like, hey, we can work together, but you guys step out of line, it's going to look like the tarmac in Iraq went when Salmani went over for a visit. How critical is it to see President Trump doing as great as he's doing right now, and how important is it for him to just keep the blinders on and run right through the nomination into the general election race like it seems that he's doing right now? Well, look, everybody knows the the nomination race is over. Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, and he should be focusing on Joe Biden and the disastrous Biden economics program. Uh, you, you literally are going to be able to have two people who have been president uh, going head to head. It's going to be Biden versus Trump. And the American people are going to get to vote on what a Biden economy looks like and what a Trump economy looks like. Not Not promises from politicians of what they would do if they became president, but actual apples to apples. What did Trump do for the economy? What does Biden currently do for the economy? And then you can compare world affairs, the world under Donald Trump and the world under Joe Biden. I have to say, I would go toe to toe and argue with anybody and debate anybody to say what part of the world is better off under Joe Biden. I can't think of a single region that is better off because of Biden. Every single region has gone worse and some into total chaos. And so I'm really troubled by uh, this this idea that uh, Joe Biden would continue leading the world for another four years. We need people who put America first unapologetically. And I'll finish with this is that, you know, Donald Trump has a credible threat of military action, not just a threat of military action, but a credible threat. 
And that's exactly what we need. When I was ambassador to Germany, Chancellor Merkel once said to me, you know, the problem with your president <laughs> is that we just can't figure out what he's going to do next. He's totally unpredictable. Doesn't sound like a problem I to me. I remember smiling and thinking it's exactly the place that I want to be in. Yep. Ambassador, hopefully it's the place you come back to in 2025. That's yet to be determined, but we are extremely optimistic, not only about how strong President Trump is doing, but for all of the amazing uh, you know, people that worked in the administration last time. We hope that they've, they've got enough left in the tank to uh, finish the job, and that's why we keep loving to have you on the show and supporting you. Ambassador, anything that you want to live link in the show description today, including your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter is, uh, is Richard Grinnell. Truth is at Grinnell. Instagram is at Richard Grinnell. Thank you for having me. You got them all. This is the former ambassador to the UN, Germany, acting director of the DNI. We love him. Mr. Rick Grinnell, thanks for joining us today. All the best. Thank you. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught also and part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine learning that will then determine and, and we can predict then if we think about what machine what information is going in learning what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process the ministry of COVID's daughter of ireland daughter of ireland you can tell us a 40 slip i'm thinking of home uh, the daughter of Iceland, and uh, um, and uh, I uh, I want to say I think we've had a very productive summit. Whoa, what? So as you guys can tell, hell? like I understand why they let Biden talk, but why did they let Kamala say anything anymore? Hey, in case you didn't know, AI is two letters. <laughs> Stands for artificial intelligence, artificial silly. Intelligence. And when the machine <laughs> learns, which is. What Which is supposed to do the information going into the machine, also known as learning. <laughs> then it eventually. Then talks. the artificial intelligence has intelligence, and it makes decisions based on <laughs> based on said learning. <laughs> See, I can write book reports too. I know. Coming oh, out of Ambassador Grinnell, I want to ask both you guys. Hmm. He can kick the shit out of pretty much anyone inside the Biden administration right now. Don't you guys agree? Like physically? Yes. Oh, yeah. Physically and, and verbally. Listen, for anybody in our listenership. And even if it's an open hand slap. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to fucking do that pimp slap with the baby pad. You know, he's <laughs> the besties. Palm, the palm. He's besties with Cash and Nunez, right? But if okay. you just go on like any kind of web browser search and type in Rick Grinnell. Mm hmm. 80% of the pictures are him mean mugging. Oh, yeah. When he's in professional context. Yeah, like, we were doing the art for the show today, and Roan's like, show <laughs> me pictures from across the desk, and it's like Rick Rennell, like leaning over, giving somebody the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. It's just he's like, yeah, American foreign policy, like he said, it doesn't. We don't do that culinary bullshit that Tony Blinken's a fan of, where you got to eat like dumplings or wontons, depending on, you know. I would fuck up some dumplings right now kind of hungry myself yeah but the thing is at the end of the day you have to be able to sit across the negotiation table as a representative of the united states of america and when somebody tells you something that you know just doesn't register or doesn't pass the, sn the smell test you mm -hmm. can just fucking look at them and they know the answer is no yeah you're like mm, yeah. no yeah so 
I, I just think it's great catching up with him whenever we can. The guy's busy, and, and you know, I really appreciate the fact that he takes some time to come down and, and, and share some time with us on the show. Yeah. We got sure. Brian Leib still coming in at the end, and uh, I think it's great sitting down with him for consecutive weeks because he's been working on a story of, of just hateful rhetoric coming out of the squad, which shouldn't surprise everybody, but we've got a major state visit coming next week. The president of Israel is going to be visiting uh, the United States. State dinner with Joe Biden wants to speak before a joint session of Congress, which is a pretty big deal, and uh, our relationship with the you know nation of Israel at, at this point right now is probably as strained as it's been in decades, thanks to Joe Biden's foreign policy and his catering to Iran. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys heard it. The gay who strayed, <laughs> who I'm blocked by on Twitter, because I, all I did was I quoted one of her tweets with the NPC and the Ron DeSantis hat, and it had like the speak and spell writing letters. I voted for Trump twice, but she blocked me for that. That's mm. happened to her because I used to like her back in That's the a day. Low threshold. Listen, the completely Ron, Ron DeSantis is a disaster of a team. They are Charmin strong. That's how fucking hard they go. Mm. <laughs> and, and it's just embarrassing. But she, you know, Tim Pool's kind of come around a little bit. I, I would say, I mean, he puts it as 51-49 Trump right now. That's where he kind of sits at. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's playing it safe, but he knows the truth. Yeah. No, it, I, I would say he's he feels stronger than that about it. Maybe that was like a number he threw out. Yeah. But like, as far as, as far as what I've heard from him, he's like, yeah. Like, Tim, who, Tim, I mean, whoever whoever the... The person who's selected to be the primary runner or whatever is, he'll vote for, but he's hoping it's going to be Trump. As the representative for the skateboard delegation of the Libertarian Party, Mm -hmm. Tim Pool is obsessed with Schedule F. He gets literally a physical hard-on to hear Donald Trump talking about firing tens of thousands of government employees on day one of the Yeah, he's like, like, what, I'm going to pick the guy that's going to go in and fire everybody right away? Perfect. I love it. But, I mean, he's had Steve Cortez in there and a couple other people from the DeSantis campaign. It's been ugly. But this one was, I mean, you want to talk about one of the biggest cope and seethings I've ever heard in real time. And here's the thing. This goes for, I listened to the entire podcast an hour before she asked to segue off of please stop talking about and destroying Ron DeSantis. Really? She actually, I I didn't listen to that one because it sounded really annoying. The gay who strayed. Oh, her actually. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, you were she's one of the about. she's one wow. of the main the main people from Gays Against Groomers, right? Yep. Is that she yeah. founded the organization yeah. and and they did oh. want to talk about that a little bit, but every time she wanted to talk about, every time they brought up something with Ron DeSantis, she's like, yeah, but, <laughs> but Donald Trump does this and Donald Trump says that, and do you realize oh. Ron DeSantis's whole campaign is getting destroyed because Donald Trump makes fun of him and he's like, yeah, did, why is wow. Ron? <laughs> did Tim do the thing like, okay, now now give me your argument without mentioning Donald Trump. Like, she doesn't know what Trump is like. Come on. I mean. Let's hear part of it for ourselves and laugh a little bit. Which is, I don't know what that means. Um, But, uh, you know, I believe that the cult of personality is so strong with Donald Trump that these lies and names and and slander that he's throwing at DeSantis (gasps) is literally changing the minds of these people who once, not very long ago, loved DeSantis. And we're saying, make America Florida. That that makes no sense. How does that not make sense? How could someone be a Trump supporter to the degree that they would vote for Ron DeSantis until Donald Trump told them not to and then they decided to vote for Trump Well, the polls were completely reversed not long ago. Right, so your logic makes no sense. (laughs) Yes, it does. Someone someone was going to vote for Trump Trump, but actually no, we're going to vote for DeSantis. you're not understanding what I'm saying. So someone was going to vote for DeSantis <laughs> until Trump told them not to and said, okay, I'll vote for Trump instead? 
Yeah. That makes no sense. Yes, it yeah, does. Yeah. They were either a Trump pre- supporter well, or a DeSantis no, supporter. No, it's not that they're a- they weren't anti-Trump, but they preferred DeSantis. And, and all these polls, if you remember from a few months ago, like six months ago, there were a million polls all the time. Who do you want to see the nominee, Trump or DeSantis? And DeSantis was winning every single one. Then Trump started going on his unhinged attacks every so the, single day. The people who didn't like Trump believed Trump over DeSantis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not saying no, that's a no, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not saying that they didn't like Trump. I'm saying that they saw that that DeSantis was a better option. And now between the the constant like pressure campaign from Trump slandering DeSantis and making everybody think he's some rhino, you know, you talk about AI generated art. I mean, DeSantis posts. I mean, Trump posts on Truth Social. Thank him. Listen, Wait, didn't didn't, dude, didn't, shit, yeah, didn't the DeSantis campaign yeah, do the I AI generated art? I liked him a lot more now. <laughs> that went on for one hour and six minutes straight, like at that pace. I have to watch it. Where she was like, <laughs> and he's like, no, that's stupid. No, that's stupid. No, that's stupid. No, you're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and it's just like an hour. Like I had, I looked at my phone and I was like, dang, it's been going on like this for a long. Like anytime anybody else tried to chirp in, Tim was like, no, no, no. Say it again. That's that's you and that's to, one of those. a mission to roast her ass. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things. It's if somebody is willing to make themselves look stupid for that extended period of time, you have to give them the platform to do it. Sure. And milk and milk it. Yeah. I mean, uh, gaslighting him a bit. <laughs> I mean, I I I am not a political commentary person. Like I'm definitely, you know, your color commentary. Uh, you know, whatever. But. I wish sometimes that I could be like Matt Gates, like just pulling stuff out of his ass, being well-spoken, being able to right. speak for 10, 15 minutes and stay on topic and not like, you know, vapor lock and not remember what the fuck I was going to say next, which happens to right. me pretty often. But Tim Pool is very, very good. And he's very concise about everything that he says. And he, and he's well, well thought out and knowledgeable about everything that she's saying, everything he's saying. And Dude, then to have her just, just catapult shit directly into the air above her mm-hmm. and then just have him stand there and watch it just rain down around her. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I could like literally see him like going like with his hands, like dodging all her bullshit yeah. and going like, Correct. like in the matrix, like bullets back at you, bitch. It, it <laughs> was, it was pretty funny oh. to listen to. I just got frustrated to it. How these people are, I don't know if it's because they're paid I know a lot of it is – now, you got to understand, a lot of Ron DeSantis, if not all of his team, are people that were not rejected, but just not assured that they weren't going to walk into their fantasy job of on the Trump campaign or in a future Trump administration. Listen, it was yeah, like great. Yeah, was not, like, you know, guaranteed anything or yes. like even a chance. They went straight to DeSantis, yeah. We had some up. fantastic hires that are still sticking around. And for the 2024 election from the first Trump administration, like, you know, all of our great friends, Christina, Bob, Cash Hotel, Devin Nunes, uh, Ambassador Grinnell, you know, uh, former Attorney General Matt Whitaker, you name it. Like some of the big guns that come on this show that worked in the administration and stuck it out for a majority uh, of the time there. Those -hmm. are the people you want to build around, but not people who were like mid-level staffers that want to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I could definitely see myself uh, working hard on the campaign and then, uh. Walking into like the Secretary of State job, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, would you, would you have rather have Doctor Navarro, who was there from day one, and, mm-hmm. and and was there when Donald Trump walked out of the White House for the final time in 2021, and was one of the best economist, policy driven uh, surrogates that a president could ever ask for, or would you rather have Steve Cortez, who's untested and unproven? 
it's, it was a slam dunk. Exactly. I mean, we had Ken Cunicelli on the show the other day, and he got all butthurt a little bit because when you start talking about the polls, but the fact of the matter is I know he probably wants to be the secretary of DHS or something like that, you know, but there's probably a lot of other people who want that job too, and it's going to go to the best person. And if they're telling people behind the scenes that it's not for you and, and your response to that is, okay, well, fuck you. I'm going to go get a different horse in this race. Like, best of luck to you, but good luck. that's what you sound like uh, when you go, you know, the stuff that we think up in our head, that was like a good live version of it. So I want to segue a little bit. They did vote to make amendments to the NDAA. Noah, you're our NDAA specialist here on the show. Can you tell our listenership what that stands for? The National Defense Authorization Act. This is big. This is what funds our military. And that mm-hmm. whole apparatus mm. needs and to be funded. this is where Obama, sorry to cut you off, no, and this is where Obama put in a, like a hidden provision where he nullified the Smith-Month Act, making propaganda legal against the United States citizens. Correct. Oof. And that's why Donald Trump said fake news when he got into office. True story. Giving us, you know, a clue on what to look at and why it's fake news. So America First, as Congressman Santos pointed out at the top of the show, was able to get together and whip enough votes, whip enough votes to strip a lot of the Ukraine blind funding. Love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're not going to be doing too much DEI anymore. The base that holds the mother load, the largest amount of our nuclear intercontinental ballistic missile batteries, is not going to be having trans stripper hour anymore. Oh, that's nice. We're not going to be reimbursing people to be flown at the government's expense to get abortions to a clinic of their choice. Nice. And we're not going to be paying people to transition anymore. Thank God. In the military. In the military. Yeah, which makes perfect oh, sense yeah. because... You're, you're like you can't even get into the military if you have like flat feet or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Like they literally, <laughs> yeah, they literally have a doctor that is his job is to look at your butthole to make sure everything looks okay before you get in the military. <laughs> now, if you have some extra plumbing that you know is getting renovated, I would say that you're not fit for military duty. True story, and you're not ready to be a warfighter. Because how are we going to send you in country when you have to take some sort of crazy anti-rejection drug or whatever? It, mm-hmm. I, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but probably a vast course of medications daily. Or even more importantly, the fact that you're clinically mentally ill. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. don't know who the fuck you are, how could I trust you to like... Do you know who the fuck I am? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Let's see, we thought we had the end of the show all picked out already. Yeah. Illusions. So instead of going through the debate on the floor or reporting on the votes, the House Freedom Caucus held a presser this morning. And when one of the reporters wanted to get cute, especially talking about the transgender bullshit, which... But was he cute? No. <laughs> you, they weren't ready for Representative Perry. Let's hear his response. It's a heater. Can you elaborate a little bit on how transgender reassignment surgery might impede battlefield readiness? I will tell you this, there, as an as a, as a individual who started out as a private and, and served for over three decades, uh, there are many people that want to serve in many capacities who are unable to. If you're allergic to bee stings, if you have type 1 diabetes, though you might want to serve, you cannot. If you want to fly an F-16 but can't correct your vision appropriately, you cannot fly an F-16 or anything else. And so there are many people that want to serve. 
what this is about, what the military is about, is what the the needs of the nation are from a national security standpoint. When they marry up with your desires, that's an awesome and great circumstance. But when they don't, the needs of the nation come first. And that's what the viewpoint of these individuals uh, enshrined in, in, in the amendments that passed and the amendments that were offered and the arguments that were made on the beha- that behalf on that behalf and 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 that 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 subject fits right into that category you have to look at it as how does this enhance readiness and lethality those are the two things to focus on if the if it does not enhance readiness and lethality it does not belong go ahead, go ahead yeah. I, I would add uh, we learned in the House Armed Services Committee that for every dollar we spend chair. on gender reassignment surgeries in the military, we have to spend four additional dollars on the appending psych uh, medical that, that goes along with that. So why That's we I would said. engage in an activity that causes uh, an even accelerated cost structure around psych uh, is, is very strange to me, and I'm grateful we got amendments to stop paying for those surgeries. And also, and another important thing on this, on this trans issue is the exceptional family member program. My colleague, Mr. Norman, may want to address this, but that program was reserved so that if someone in the military had a family member with a unique heart ailment or, or something that required an, an intense medical treatment, that they could use that. And that, that pot of money was getting robbed for people to go get gender blockers and, mm-hmm. and embrace radical gender theory. Perhaps, perhaps um, Mr. Norman wanted to speak to uh, that. You know, the left is perfectly willing to take that child big Ralph Norman. a military veteran who has Down syndrome. Uh, who has chronic uh, illnesses, uh, they're perfectly willing to assign that dollars to transgender surgery. I'm sorry. Uh, you don't want, first thing, you don't want people on the battlefield who are trying to decide if they're a man or a woman. Decide that before you go in. We want you to decide when you go in, you're going to protect and defend this, the freedoms of this country. Yep. That's what's lost. And when we, we don't have the money to fund our military, and we're going to fund it for transgenders, the half to 1% of the population, it doesn't make sense. As, as Scott and, and the others have said, it's crazy what, what's been done to this country now. And we're stopping it, and every one of these people behind me are willing to do that. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick, as a, as a physician who practiced medicine in the military it's for 25 years, I'll just go, uh, I'll also tell you that it's a, there's always a clear distinction in the military between uh, what's required and what's elective, elective procedures. And the military in general just does not pay for or encourage or fund these elective procedures, which these gender transition surgeries and the hormonal therapy and everything else that goes along with them clearly fit into that category. The other thing I'll remind you of is if you bring people in and you start this process, it takes months, it's months and months. Well over a year before you go through the hormone uh, uh, transition, before you get the gender reassignment surgeries and all this done, during this entire time, these individuals are not deployable. They're not deployable, so someone else is going to do a second deployment in their place during this process. That's not fair to the other members of the military, and it's just not something we should be doing in the military. We don't make. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you can't even you're you're undeployable if you missed a fucking flu shot. Exactly. Not when you cut your dick off. (laughs) I know. And turn it inside out and have like a fucking clown make you a rubber animal balloon out of it or whatever they the fuck they do. They got a dildo up their freaking, you know, you know, their new pee-pee. Yeah, and the the abuse, and, the, just the rampant abuse that this would cause. Like, it's bad enough all the rampant abuse that's happening with our immigration system where people are taking benefits, medical treatment, you know, all this other stuff. But so you're going to have somebody who, I mean, I'm not going to say that everybody that, that wants to transition to another sex even no, though but sex in, is in the military, a construct, it, it apparently. Not be allowed. Yeah, but just, just I'm not saying that every single person that wants to do this has a certain sort of 
political no, leaning. Right. But those people that have that particular political leaning, generally, they're not going to go in the military. So you're going to have people that are going to go into the military for the for the sole purpose of getting gender reassignment surgery paid for by the U.S. government. And then when the shit hits the fan, they're going to be the first people running. And they, But they could care less. And who the fuck wants to fight with somebody like that at your side? Yeah, you I, know? I'd be a little Imagine concerned. like an Islamic terrorist seeing a tranny. And then on the abuse level, I mean, there's there's going to be people that are going to find windows. Like, okay, so right. let's say, hypothetically speaking, I'm a female. How dare you? Right? Right. So I want to get a boob job. So can I identify as a male and then say that I'm transitioning? Mm. Well, I mean, wasn't it at some point you couldn't have breast implants, for example, in the military, I believe, because it's like a liability like and, it, and it's dangerous. Well, now they're gender then, affirming. Right. But I believe in even like, um, I don't know if it was a UFC or some sort of um, MMA um, um, enterprise. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's like that now, but I remember a long time ago that they. Well, that was probably back when the the uh, technology was more rife with uh, exploding titties. <laughs> well, still, I mean, <laughs> if you've got silicone or. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's stuff that's not going to fucking kill you if it leaks into your body now, though, I think that they use, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, but it, no, it can make you sick. But I mean, even the, those things are kind of ruled out. Yeah, know, but so. I mean, the, the whole the, the, the premise of our conversation now is just the abuse and yeah, the exactly. fact that people are going to be doing things for the wrong reasons. Gaming the system. Yeah, gaming the system. You heard There's from, too much gaming already. We, heard, mm -hmm. we just heard from the House Freedom Caucus, two veterans, one former federal prosecutor, and the man who used to be the physician for... Three presidents of the United States, including mm. Donald Trump. Oh. However, House Minority Leader in title only, Hakeem Jeffries, uh. issued a statement shortly thereafter. I'm going to read it right now. Just imagine my shock. What a starter. Extreme MAGA Republicans have chosen to hijack the historically bipartisan NDAA and continue to choose to attack freedom and jamming their right-wing ideology down the throats of the American people. House Republicans have turned what should be a meaningful investment into our men and women in uniform into an extreme and reckless legislative joyride. Really? The bill undermines a woman's freedom to seek abortion care, targets the rights of the pronoun community and service members, and bans books that should be otherwise available to military families. House Democrats will always put people over politics to protect our national security. We will vote no on the final passage of this bill. The straw argument is thick on that one. <laughs> The bans books that should be available to military families. The, the book teaching a, yeah, kid, a toddler how to blow each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Dude. And then unbelievable. Ugh. Was there even anything about abortion that was brought up with the NDAA thing? Really? Yeah, we're not paying to have you flown to an abortion clinic of your choice anymore. Good. Because in, in some place, yeah. in some states where there's military bases there's abortion bans so well if you make that if you make that risk and that happens and you need to take care of it then well, you probably right. start getting your car and drive then i guess mm -hmm. straight out to california yeah close your legs that wasn't the most outrageous thing but in the last topic of the week we're going to touch on i don't know if you guys have heard the mm. biggest mystery to strike the white house in years <laughs> has come to a close was it Colonel Mustard in the in the library with the candlestick? Close. What, the Coke bag? So the Secret Service has concluded their investigation and has determined that there's no way to find who the bag belonged to. 
full of fucking bullshit. But they got a grandma that looks sideways at the Capitol on January 6th, and she's in fucking solitary confinement right now Mm -hmm. in her wheelchair. (sighs) Boneless chicken wing. Did the boneless chicken wing get arrested? Did we ever figure that out? It's a good question. I know the witch did. Nice. Yeah. So, couldn't pull fingerprints. Apparently, there's no cameras, even though many people who have frequented the White House and the West Wing and know the exact door that they're referencing say that there are cameras on both sides of it. (laughs) They cannot determine who left a bag of Coke and a bag of weed and, in their final report, admitted that another bag bag of weed had been found there last year as well. Are we talking like a big bag of weed or like a little dime bag? (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't don't know. I don't really know quantities. That spot is actually like some sort of safe space for them to like do all this fucking shit. Well, it's the only it's the only uh, mirrored uh, surface in the uh, White House, I think. <laughs> Listen, and I'm not going to say in a higher than thou stance, because we aren't elitists here on the show, that there weren't presidents who didn't blow rails off of a hooker's beat. Or get blown. I mean, True story. yeah. But here's the thing. Drugs started showing up at the White House again recently when a fucking drug addict started living there. Mm-hmm. Crack like, it, exactly. So, I mean, come on. Whether it's him or his I'm entourage... Hoping- does he have an entourage? I don't know. Who's in his entourage? <laughs> Is it Beetlejuice from Howard Stern? You know, my bad. Oh my God, stop. That's so funny. I hate oh when I forget stuff. We forgot to ask Ambassador Grinnell when he was talking about art if he owned a Hunter Biden. I was actually going to say, like, when are they going to put the uh, the Biden wing in the uh, in the embassies? He, he's kind of got – he's hypnotic with the way he talks, though, because you always, he just has receipts on everybody. He, yeah. he served for, real, sure. like you said, over a decade in the State Department, plus he was the ambassador to the U.N. He was the ambassador to Germany. He brokered peace deals between, what is it, Serbia and Kosovo. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the man's still working. I, I can't imagine the receipts he pulled when he was, uh, you know, heading the DNI, and it's just great that he <laughs> comes on the show. But Well, when, it, when you talk about the Hunter Biden art, mm. like – yeah. On a financial level and an investment level. 500000 Well, regardless of how much it costs now, just the cultural significance of this period of time in history. Like, those could be fucking priceless someday just because of how yeah. fucking bass-ackwards this country has been right now. No, oh, I know. I was thinking about that myself. Like, I was like, I hate, like, I buy a lot of, like, you know, Trump, like, time magazines and collect those things. And But I was thinking of buying some of the Biden Hunter stuff and even trying to get like one of the Madame president like issues because mm-hmm. that shit's going to be worth so much money down the line. Yeah. It's one of the best purchases I ever made in my life. You got one? A Madam president? Yeah. Sure do. I've said it several times. I saw one of, well, I saw one of her books at a thrift store and I was laughing. I was like, I'm not buying that. <laughs> I know I hate them, but I'm like, mm, it might be good to add to the collection of memorabilia. If Hunter Biden <laughs> never does like an, like a, a skittle penis. I'll, I might make a bit on it. It's like one of our oldest jokes on the mm-hmm. show. The man can do stuff with Halloween candy. What can I say? <laughs> and in our last audio clip of the week, as long as it's not candy corn. Listen, I think we might be directing all of the blame at the wrong person because Donald Trump has alluded to the Coke might not just be hunters. Let's hear it. So the first time in American history cocaine was found in the White House, and for the first time in history, yeah. we have a first son who's a known coke addict. Uh, I guess the Secret Service is going to have a hearing about it today. Again, you've got a double standard. What do you think about finding cocaine in the White House? Well, first of all, I have a lot of respect for Secret Service, and I believe they know who it is. 
And uh, I think without question, I know that part of the White House very well. And uh, the only one that gets really good access is, you know, like family members and yeah. people, uh, cabinet members, where they don't go crazy on checking. So it has to be somebody like that. But, you know, I would say perhaps, perhaps of course, you know, who knows? But I think perhaps it was a Hunter deal and they left it for him and he forgot to pick it up just like he forgot to pick up the computer. <laughs> yes. He could have picked up his computer. They called him many times, oh pick God. up your computer, pick it up, and now they're all suing each other, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the fact is that computer, the, the laptop from hell, Yeah. Uh, please pick it up, and he didn't do it. Well, he didn't pick up the cocaine either, so it could have been <laughs> that. I think that... Uh, I think that they know exactly who it was, but it sounds like it was left there for somebody to pick up. And I would think it was Hunter. And I think, didn't they travel off to the, they said they weren't there that day, yeah. but they were. Yeah. And I think they then left right around that time. They left for the uh, for Camp David. So I would say that this could be a Hunter's rerun the of like, the laptop from hell. Because he didn't pick that up, wouldn't pick it up. And I think maybe he didn't pick up the cocaine too. And feed a little bit of his father to give him energy. Now, of course, that's just <laughs> supposition. <laughs> yes, Who would ever think a thing like that could no, happen? No, never, never. But, uh, I don't think it's very bad supposition, I have to tell you. What if it was like the spot yeah, in the White so House good. where there's the desk for like where the secretary has everybody's mail and it has like labels, like it's an, <laughs> it's an envelope that says Hunter Biden on it? I know. Share with the big guy. 10% for the big guy? He says. I love that. That was maybe, so good. Maybe he feeds a little bit of it to his dad to give him energy. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for that. I swear to you. I'm like, it's it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Busy week. Decent week. Don't put too much stock into the, you know, grandstanding that happened during the House Judiciary with Christopher Ray. It's pretty easy to dunk on that guy. He's a complete douchebag and, and, and even worse for our country. But when you talk about stripping some of that NATO funding after Joe Biden's trip, where he did claim that Russia has already lost the war. He's claimed that Ukraine has won. Really? We all know that nothing could be further from the truth. And then when you look at the weekend that we're heading into, uh, Tucker Carlson has now deconstructed the entire life and times of, of Vice President Pence. He was booed several times. He asked <laughs> him uh, if he thought January 6th was an insurrection, to which he didn't answer. He also um, asked him why tanks in Ukraine are more important than tanks on the U.S. southern border. And, yeah, so we're going to have that. We're going to have Trump at, at Turning Point this weekend, along with a lot of other America Firsters. And Meatball is going to be up in the Hamptons getting yelled at by Ken Griffin and, and Ronald Lauder. Because uh, between Griffin, who says he's pausing his support for a candidate in the race, and Lauder, who's told people that he's rethinking about reinvesting in someone like Tim Scott because of how awful Ron DeSantis has looked. Ouch. It could be crisis time in Meatball Town. Mm. So the only other thing I got is uh, even though the Supreme Court made a ruling on it just two weeks ago, Joe Biden went out and wrote an executive order to forgive $40 billion. Jesus fucking Christ. Of student loan debt to over a million account holders. Uh, don't know when that's going to take place. Don't how know do they pick? I know. That's what I was just thinking right now. Too. Like, like, how are they going to pick these people? If you're in our listenership Based right now and you are of the Caucasian-ness, don't expect your student loans to get paid. If you what? That's it. We're about to yeah. jump in with Brian Live. Unless you have, like, uh, ties to rich families or something, maybe. Speaking of rich room. families, we're going to hear one more time from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. 
Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash stake, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's the executive director of Case Pack. He's here for the second Friday in a row. Really happy to be sitting down with Brian Live. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Happy Friday to you and to, to all the listeners. Appreciate it and appreciate you coming down today. So we touched on it a little bit last week, some of the evil, hateful, venomous rhetoric coming out of members of the squad. It seems like they've picked it up a notch with a state visit coming into Washington, D.C. this week. Brian, you want to elaborate a little bit? Uh, certainly. So Israel's uh, president, uh, Isaac Herzog, will be visiting uh, the United States of America this coming week. He'll be visiting with President Biden. And he's also been invited by Speaker McCarthy to uh, address a joint session of Congress. Uh, and uh, right on cue, you have uh, all of those, you know, Israel haters, the squad, the Ilhan Omars, Jamal Bowmans, and and all AOC as well just announced uh, that they will be boycotting this speech um and uh, i guess we shouldn't be surprised right i mean you know these these individuals have done so much to try and drive a wedge between uh these two great countries united states of america and israel um and this is just the latest stunt and, and the latest stunt to try and drive a wedge between this great relationship um and uh i don't know i guess we shouldn't be shocked right the boycotters are going to boycott so it's just another thing for them to boycott <laughs> Well, I think it's absolutely loathsome, as is usually their behavior. But, I mean, Brian, when you talk about this, it didn't seem like any of them were, you know, they'll be the first to bitch and complain about how much money sometimes goes to Ukraine, as people like AOC has been critical of it in the past. You have to give her that. It's one of the very few line items that she agrees with, you know, Congressman Matt Gates on. But when you do stuff like this, I, I mean, I didn't see anybody turning their backs or not really showing up to uh, when Vladimir Zelensky came and took over Congress right before the State of the Union uh, earlier in the year. How do we differ in comparison to, you know, the level of disrespect and how it goes into just the, I guess it's an overtone now of anti-Semitism that this group has shown since they've been kind of elected to Congress? Well, listen, Ron, you're exactly correct. I mean, it, it, it's not just an overtone of anti-Semitism. It's directly anti-Semitism. And, and the squad has done everything that they possibly can um, to try and raise the temperature, again, when it comes to the U.S.-Israel alliance, when it comes to uh, the Jewish community and, 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 and our support for the state of Israel. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's so shocking huh, that they won't make any comments about, you know, what's going on and, and the funding that we're doing in Ukraine. Um, because I guess, you know, uh, to use a kind of a Jewish word or a Jewish word here, I guess that's kosher for them, right? It's kosher for them to, uh, to support, uh, you know, funding a never ending war. And I'm sure you guys have talked about already on this show, but I mean, you, you have president Biden now authorizing an additional 3000 troops to be called up. 
Um, you know, our proxy war, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a proxy war for too much longer. But of course, they're going to support that uh, while also doing everything they can to try and damage the U.S.'s relationship. It's just such disrespect. Um, and by the way, guys, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the squad really does hate Israel. Uh, but I really think they also hate this country. They hate the United States of America. They hate what we stand for. They hate the relationships that we've been able to build around the world. Um, and that's just who they are. So they're just showing their true colors to the world over and over. And we've got to do everything we can to expose them uh, for the haters that they are. Yeah, I mean, you got to call it out when we see it. And this is a huge case of it right now, especially with a big visit from the Israeli president coming in next week. And I just think when... You line your cards up on the table, and I know that you mentioned it, and you talk about the uh, mobilization of the 3,000 troops that Joe Biden you know, signed into uh, via a White House proclamation yesterday uh, to kind of, I don't know, continue our preparedness for World War Three regarding the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the inactive ready reserve that were like, thought they were out of dodge, and they just got pulled back in. Yeah. Now, granted, there's been some people that were trying to say that this is nothing new because it was a thing that was established the uh the Atlantic something or yep. other in 2014 2015. However, you wouldn't have to use these people if shit wasn't so bad right now. So, it doesn't really matter bad. when. Nope. It's what's happening right now. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to make is uh you would want to kind of have your geopolitical allies lined up with you turning your back to countries like Israel you know if a World War Three popped off, they would be one of the first, if not the first nation we'd reach out to for strategic and military assistance uh, in combating whatever crisis or threat is coming to our sovereignty and nation. But but now you talk about this stuff that's going on uh, with mobilizing these troops and getting them into Europe to uh, bolster our presence in the region. What do you think, Brian, watching this? This is, you know, Operation Atlantic Resolve is what Noah was talking about, that, that 2014 initiative that was... Uh, you know, what started this, but re-energizing it really doesn't do anything to uh, make Vladimir Putin think we're going to get to the negotiation table anytime soon. Well, I don't think it does. I mean, and, and just this week alone, you know, we've we've announced the delivery of cluster bombs to, to Ukraine, while also, you know, adding, increasing, uh, you know, the potential troops that are going to be in the region. So if you're Vladimir Putin, you take this as a, a direct shot across your bow for sure. Um, and I'm so glad, by the way, what you just said, Roan, about the fact that, you know, if things were to pop off, uh, you know, that we could depend on the state of Israel to stand up and support us. And that's 100 percent correct. And and not just the fact that they would support us. But listen, Israel is a tiny little country of less than 10 million people and has probably one of the most advanced, most powerful militaries in the world and also has probably one of the top three clandestine operations in the world as well. So um, what they could do to help and support us uh could uh pale in comparison to what any of these other countries could do but um you know there was a, an op-ed out actually this morning from the wall street journal editorial board um that said the biden administration is treating iran better than they're treating israel and that's exactly correct and, and listen if you're israel you see that and i talk to a lot of israeli politicians and diplomats quite often um and they certainly feel that and, and uh and by the way it's it's great that israel's president uh, is coming uh, here to United States of America, but Israel's president is a is a placeholder. He's not the official leader of the state of Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu is the official leader of Israel, um, and he has been snubbed every single time now over the last uh, couple of years with the, the Biden administration. Um, so we'll see how this visit plays out. I think you can certainly count on a strong uh, response of support from uh, House Republicans uh, in both the House and the Senate. Um, but we'll see if anything actually happens, and we'll see if Herzog, uh, Israel's president, decides to take any shots at, uh, at the squad and some of these other people 
uh, for boycotting him and uh, and doing what they can to try and damage this longstanding U.S.-Israel alliance. Yeah, I think when you just look at it and the way things are kind of unfolding and how Iran has kind of moved back into the fold, you know, you, you re-welcome Syria to the League of Arab Nations and you have Saudi Arabia making state trips to Iran for the first time in over a decade. And you just talk about how, you know, China's kind of brokering all these chips uh, and chess pieces into play behind the scenes. At some point, Vladimir Putin's going to say, you want to know what? Enough is enough. We're not even fighting Ukraine anymore. I mean, I see all these videos where, you know, soldiers are getting captured on the battlefield and they said they were like essentially forced to the front lines when they were like on the streets. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're doing and they don't even know the chain of command in a lot of the units are in. There's also been reports of, you know, most of the Patriot uh, missile systems that we sent over to Ukraine have already been destroyed. And it was like nine months ago that we were saying Vladimir Putin was a war criminal for using cluster munitions uh, because they could hurt civilians with their, you know, the, proximity of the way uh, when they're detonated they don't just like hit the target they hit that and everything around it so I think we're in a really dangerous space and a really dangerous time it'd be interesting to see if President uh, Kurzog is going to weigh in on the crisis in Ukraine and uh, maybe compare that to some of the other stuff that's going on uh, regionally with him in the Middle East maybe even with Iran and, and kind of see where that goes from there yeah, we'll we'll see what he does. I mean, listen, our Herzog is uh, he's he's definitely a placeholder. He's not a he's not a Bibi Netanyahu. I don't think he uh, wants to do anything to create any kind of controversy on this visit. Uh, he will definitely stick to the script. Um, but it would be nice uh, if he were to say something, um, you know, about uh, about what's happening and about the the fracturing in the U.S. Israel alliance. And, and and just a quick final note here. In terms of what you said about, you know, Iran, you know, really kind of being this new superpower. I mean, this was what Obama wanted to do. Obama wanted to realign the Middle East for Iran to be the new superpower and for Israel and the Saudis and the Emiratis and everyone else to kind of be secondary to the Islamic Republic of Iran. Um, And that's exactly what Joe Biden has done during his administration. And the Islamic Republic of Iran is is richer than they ever have been before. They have more impact than they ever had before. And they have great relationships now with all of our adversaries, which I guess, surprise, surprise, right? When America projects weakness onto the world, it drives our, our adversaries closer and closer to each other. Um, that's exactly what's happening uh, on Biden's watch right now. And uh, I don't see it getting better anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, it's blood in the water. It certainly is, especially after this disastrous NATO summit trip. I mean, between tripping up the stairs, falling asleep during a live press conference, and then again this morning, Joe Biden falling asleep again too. I haven't. In in the middle of a response, he he did a like a sleep apnea snore, and and then today he's sniffing kids again. It's all over Twitter. Oh, that kid looks horrified. Yeah. Well, he did. It was. I don't even want to talk about it. But he was like nibbling its back, and it's like, get the fuck away from me, you crazy old man. (laughs) And then mom wants to take himself. Guys, completely out of control, man. Yeah. Completely out of control. Well, wow. according according to President Trump, he might be uh, getting some bumps before he goes out to his speaking event. So we'll touch on that a little bit later in the yeah, show. That mom was just like, now my kid can be a child actor. <laughs> oh, there you go. God. We all know how those usually end. Mm-hmm. Brian, it was great sitting down with you again today. We're going to get you back in here in a couple weeks. Of course, we love having you on the show. We're going to. Uh, Definitely live link case pack in the show description today. If anybody can do anything to help or contribute, please let us know. And then your social media, please. Yeah, sure. So you can check us out on our website's casepack.org. Social media is at casepackusa on all the tw- all the different platforms. And uh, guys, thanks again for having me on and and talking about uh, about the squad and everything they're trying to do to damage 
this long-standing U.S.-Israel alliance. They're not going to get away with it, but we're going to hold them accountable. That's for damn sure. I like Absolutely. It. And we'll be talking about the state visit next week on the show. Always great sitting down with the executive director of Caseback, Mr. Brian Leib. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You as well. Take care. Man, we covered a lot of news today. What do you guys think? Lots and lots. Yes, we did. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 255 other additions to the show, make sure you're subscribed to us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart. Subscribe, rate, review. In addition to that, follow us across all our social medias, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and True Social. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Hit that follow button. Make sure you're dialed in. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. New York Representative George Santos, always awesome sitting down with him, former ambassador to the UN, Germany, Kosovo, acting DNI, Rick Grinnell. Always great catching up with him as well. And Brian Live, two Fridays in a row. I think I liked it. Maybe he'll come back next Friday as well. Let's do it. Guys, don't worry. Because before you know it, it'll be Tuesday, and we'll be back with another Absolute Heater. Episode 257 features Trump attorney Jesse Benal, Arizona Representative Eli Crane, and America First spokeswoman for Donald Trump, Liz Harrington. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Bye, guys. See you soon. Have a great rest of the day. Have a great rest of the weekend and take care. Now, as your father probably told you, my name is Matt Foley and I am a motivational speaker. Now, let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. (laughs) Now you kids are probably saying to yourselves, hey, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down and put it in my pocket. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably gonna find out as you go out there, that you're not going to amount to jack squat. (laughs) You're gonna end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river.